walk me through, I guess, this new thing about the minimum tax. When was it commissioned? What does it mean for the country? What What is it? Who does it affect? Or how does it work out? What is the status now? I know Justice Odunga put a conservatory orders on it in Machakos last week. What are the implications in case those conservatory orders uh, do not stand and it's eventually affected? What does it mean to have this kind of a tax? in the middle of a COVID impact. Okay, so yeah. my name is Hadija Mutacho, and I am the founder and CEO of Kwanza Tukula Foods. Uh, Kwanza Tukula Foods is a startup that mainly focuses on low-income areas uh, via food vendors. Our main goal is to ensure that food is affordable for the many poor that live in low-income areas in Nairobi. I wanted to talk about specifically um, the minimum tax and the impact that the minimum tax has on a business um, startups, low consumers, low-end consumers, and in particular, the devastating in- in impact that it has on accessibility and affordability of food for the many. So the, in my view, the tax is not well thought through. Um, to require uh, manufacturers to pay 3%, 1%, 1% um, on turnover, whether or not they make of it, is, is really, it doesn't make sense. So it doesn't make sense because, number one, if you don't make a profit, how are you expected to pay the government? I mean, where are you going to get that money to pay the government? It just means that it's going to put a lot of businesses out of business. That's number one. Number two, it's going to have a huge impact on employment because then we really need to control the amount of people we can hire because we have to now pay the government. Number three, it has impact on pricing. Um, We should expect prices to go up significantly. I mean, at the moment, when a lot of people are out of employment, people are just really trying trying to survive. Now imagine a scenario where a manufacturer is required to put 1% tax, that will be passed down to the distributor who will put 1% tax, then you have the retailer who has put 1% tax, and maybe the kiosk owner also has to be charged. So the compounding effect is for that one product, there's 4% tax, and that 4% tax paid for ultimately by the end consumer. So what are you going to see? You're going to see um, price hikes and price hikes on food at the moment. It's, it's really, um, it's, it's unfair and unreasonable. It, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. If the objective is to co- collect taxes and the objective is to make sure that you are targeting tax dodges, then you have to be careful that you are not throwing out the baby with the bathwater. So so companies like Kwanza Tukule, for example, if this was introduced 18 months ago when we really started to push the business forward, I wouldn't have started Kwanza Tukule. Where would you get the money to start a company, run the company? The company is not making money. You, you're not breaking even yet. Remember, it takes time for companies to break even. I mean, you look at companies like Twitter, They most of the tech companies haven't even broken even at the moment, you are penalizing people for innovation. You are penalizing people for um, problems. So that is why it seems to be not well thought through. And quite frankly, unfair to the poor. Because if you can exempt M-Pesa agents, because M-Pesa agents have huge turnovers. So then you say, okay, M-Pesa agents have huge turnovers. Um, therefore, we will exempt them because the turnover is high, but the margins are small. Great. What about food distribution? What about the mamambogas? What about the kiosk owners? What about the distributors? What about the manufacturers of 
um, unga, which doesn't have any VAT for good reason. It's something that people need and most people depend on it. So for me, it looks like the idea is sound, the concept, the purpose as to why this was required to be done makes sense. Nobody wants tax dodgers. But how are you going about it? In the process, you want to kill an entire economy. You want to kill the innovation. You want to kill startups. To what end? And then who bears the brunt of that? The poor, the many. And that's why I think it should be abolished. It's not well thought through. Go back to the drawing board, start afresh. State the objective, what you want to achieve, and then look at ways in which you can do that without really killing everything that moves. That's my view. Speaking of which, um, you have a lot of people within your chain, you know, from the farmers to, you know, the, the, the milling process. Then there is uh, in your distribution space, and then there's the people you distribute to. Could you paint for us just um, a picture of who are the people in your chain, you know, uh, from the farmer to consumer with you somewhere in the middle? And how do you think? just briefly these different players will be affected of course the, one of them is the cost goes up but what's their profile and how much of an impact would this be on them the impact would be huge because um, for anybody who manufactures anything that is um, at the moment not making a profit there are reasons why companies don't make a profit for the first few years um, then they would have to pass that cost to someone. So in effect, you have to decide that if this is a product that I'm making, then I have to make sure that I know there's 1% tax that I have to pay to the government on the turnover turnover not not on the remember you still pay a corporation you still pay employees you still pay your rent you still pay your fuel you still pay everything else that also has tax in it so you now have to ask yourself what is the minimum tax taxing what is it taxing it's not tax on uh, capital gains it's not tax on employees revenue or salaries all of those things are already being taxed so what are you taxing effectively you're taxing you're taxing innovation. You're taxing people from starting. You're saying, we don't want you to start businesses ever in Kenya. You're either a big business that has been established and makes huge amount of profit. And we know that in Kenya, there are very few of those. I mean, we don't have many safaricoms. We don't have many East African breweries. There are only a handful of those. So all these other small companies, not only would they have to go, no one else will start because the, the hindrance is huge. So then you're talking about not only are you killing businesses here, but you're also discouraging investors to come and start setting up companies in Kenya. I mean, it's, it's moving backwards. There are many ways you can increase the pie. There are many ways in which you can come up with ideas to increase the tax base and revenues. But to go after the few that are trying in a really difficult economic environment seems um, half-baked. The farmer will suffer. Like, say, let's take an example of Unga. The millers will have to, the small millers, and the small millers, by the way, they play a critical role. If you go into the low-income areas, you find small millers or, or Unga that you've never heard of that can retail within the, the vicinity of the slums for about 90 shillings. Now, those ones are actually seasonal Unga producers. You know, they'll set up a shop, they will mill for eight months, ten months, they will um, make unga for some time and when they can't get maize they'll stop they'll go and do something else and then they'll come back again and try to meet the demand and they're supplementing the demand in the market because not everybody can satisfy the need so therefore you're killing those as well but to answer your question the value chain moves from the farmer 
we buy our products for the cereals, we buy them directly from the farmer, and then we would put our markup on and we sell it directly to the food vendor. Our, we are trying to make the chain as short as possible. For the millers, we would buy the milling, the millers, the unga from the millers, and we would sell it to the low-income areas. And the low-income areas actually are in the industry. So instead of the product, the miller, all the way to CBD or all the way to, say, Wangige, to a big distributor, then to come back to Mukuru, which is very near the miller, we just enter a deal with the miller then get the products from them and then sell it as close as possible to the consumer. And that means that we're able to deliver the product at a more affordable price to the consumer. So that's our business model. This problem of affordability and accessibility of food can be solved. Panza Tukule is just one example, you know, to look at some of the problems that we have in the country and look at ways to solve it. And then find some capital from somewhere, maybe from their family or from their savings and start something. But now what the government is saying is we don't want that. We don't want you to think about starting a business because if you do then you must have a lot of money and pay the government for the privilege of starting a business and employing it's a really bizarre message to send to the market which is interesting because i mean given all the respective players uh, in this you are in the mailing space there are whole different um, facilities and businesses in different other spaces what have the respective stakeholders done have they taken it up with you know the revenue authority have we involved lawyers what's the legal status of this minimum tax and what are the future prospects of these kinds of tax policies? So the biggest challenge is understanding what's going on in the um, area of legislation. So, for example, this policy was actually passed. It went through the whole chain of the, the machine and went to parliament and parliament rubber stamped it and thought this is a good idea. What is surprising is the level of an awareness that was around the impact. I mean, every time I speak to people and I explain, even the MPs, they go, what? We, how did this even happen? They whole process is crowded in, in mystery and nobody really understands and how CARE is able to pass this through quite quickly actually um, is a mystery. So in a way there's a big gap between what's happening in parliament and legal decisions that are being made and the real world that people live in and do business in and operate in. We need people who can come and really make that gap smaller so that if I am too busy trying to run Kwanzaa Tukule, there should be a place I can go and hey these are the policies that are coming up that will really have impact on your business in the next six months and they are now at the MCA level and now they are at the consultation and now they are at this level so we can we can be engaging Big, not only in business but also in our lives the discussions that are happening with the MCAs which road to build what kind of prioritization to make when it comes to investment of public funds there's a big disconnect and, and that in the next few years really quickly we need we need that to change because that's the only way we can ensure that predatory policies, as you say correctly, are not passed. And sometimes these things pass without anyone knowing. I mean, I don't believe that KRA sits around. I don't believe that they sit around and go, how can we punish people? I don't think that's their objective. But their objective and how they go about achieving their objective and how the real world operates, there's a complete disconnect. And, and we cannot move forward. We have so many problems to solve. We have no clean water. We have no enough food. We have a, a population that's growing out of control we have covid we have all these problems that need to be solved and we cannot be silent and this minimum tax is an example of that 
So speaking of which, now what, what's the future of this minimum tax? And are you going legal? Do you go policy? Is it industry, industry-based advocacy? What? If it's something to go by, like although we've gone all the way to the high court and we have managed to petition, um, managed to put a stop, it's a temporary court. Uh, what the judge said is stop collecting minimum tax until all the appeals are heard. And and the, the case may be won or may be lost. And, and we have a small window of time and that's why I'm doing this interview to create as much as awareness within the powers that be and the people involved that this is not only not going to collect any taxes, it's going to make pie even smaller. So the, the objective that you're trying to achieve is counterintuitive. You will not be able to do that. In fact, you will make the situation worse. Um, so, but, but again, this battle could be won or could be lost. But kudos to the Kenya Manufacturers Association they, and, and the Bar Association, Bar Owners Association, uh, took this to court and, and managed to stop it at the very last minute. Remember, this was supposed to come into effect yesterday or today, 21st. It was supposed to be, we were supposed to be sending the checks or the cash to, to KRA. So kudos to, 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 to the association. But I think the key thing is to mobilize, to engage, to be aware, to push back. Because if we had the knowledge, if we had the awareness, I didn't think it would happen because it just seemed so obviously a wrong policy. But if there was a bit more awareness maybe among the members of parliament and, and uh, lobbying and engaging and pushing, then, then things, things change. The only way, the only way we can make um, policies that really matter and really count is to get public participation, is to get the public involved in the policy making process, is to get the public engaged, aware, understanding and passionate about the fact that hey, this this policy has impact one, two, three, and I don't like it, therefore I'm going to pushback. And if we do that more, even before things get to the courts, because by the time you get to the courts, it's a bit too late, because you can lose, whereas with the um, the democratic process, there's a bit of a room to discuss, debate, change even, I mean, tweak even. So, so it's the only way, but as a country, we're far, far away from that. So the next six months, we hope that the courts will do the right thing. And Kerry has already said immediately after that they're going to appeal. My request, my, my, I urge the Kerry not to appeal. And then I urge the courts to look at it critically if they do appeal and throw the case out and bar them from not just collecting, but go back to the drawing board, draft a new policy that goes after the real tax dodgers. You know, if you want to target tax dodgers, do that, but do it rightly and do it the right way and find them. And, and we all want them to be you know, penalized. We really want them because business, we need a fair transparent and even playing field. We don't want people who don't pay taxes. We want everybody to pay taxes. But find ways to find those who don't and, and penalize them. Don't penalize everybody. It's just, that's not fair and it's not right. And, and the government is supposed to be responsible for its people and care. And now there's COVID. How can you do this now? All right. Thank you very much, uh, Hadija, on that. Um, much, much appreciated. I know it's a conversation. It's an ongoing conversation. We'll still come back to it sometime down the road. But thank you so much for your insights and uh, understanding of this issue. Much thank appreciated. You so much and have a wonderful day. Cheers. Bye. Yeah.